aren't you glad we can be made whole? That's uh, wonderful news, and especially in the day in which we live where there's not a whole lot whole. looks like everything's falling apart, everything's coming unglued, everything that was nailed down is coming loose. But you know what? Jesus hadn't changed one lick. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And no matter what happens, nothing takes him by surprise, and we're just grateful and thankful that we have such a wonderful, wonderful Savior that uh, keeps us strong in the midst of difficult times. And these are definitely strange, unprecedented, and difficult times. Uh, it is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. As I always say, I'd rather be here this morning than to be in the best hospital in North Carolina, wouldn't you? Amen. amen. That's one of the hardiest amens I've heard in a long time. Uh, but uh, definitely, definitely true. And uh, we know this is a Thanksgiving week, and we have so much to be thankful for. You know, we're too blessed to be depressed. Uh, the Lord has blessed us so richly, in spite of uh, turmoil that may be going on, chaos and difficult times, and it looks like confusion all around us. You know what? If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've got so much to be thankful for. I don't see how people can turn the news on and see what's going on today, and they don't know Jesus. It would be absolutely total despair, no hope at all. But in Jesus Christ, we have a hope that the world didn't give and the world can't take away. And we live in a day and time where you better keep your eye on the eastern sky because someone may appear very soon. You know, my dad, I remember growing up, I raised out in the country. I remember he would often say, you need to get in the house, there's a storm coming. Well, I'd look and see, it looked like the sunshine to me. But he could look across the horizon and see there's a storm coming. Now, he didn't know exactly when it would get there, but he knew it was coming by looking at the signs. Well, I could look at the signs. I'm not a date setter, but I can look at the horizon and tell you there's a storm coming. But also know that a Savior is coming too, and that's the main thing this morning. Uh, this morning, I want to bring a message entitled, Are You Thankful That You're Rich? Are You Thankful That You're Rich? You say, well, preacher, I don't have a lot of money in the bank. I'm not talking about that kind of money. I'm talking about something that money can't buy. Are you thankful this morning that you're rich? If you would, turn with me to the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, one of the great, great books of the Bible. The book of Ephesians is a, a letter that Paul wrote while he was in prison. And he writes to this church at Ephesus. And this is one of the rich chapters and rich books of the Bible that expresses about the church of Jesus Christ and what God has done for us. So I don't know how far I'm going to read this morning. We'll just read till we get done. But I'm going to be looking throughout the first chapter as we consider this morning again. Are you thankful you're rich? I want to be looking in chapter 1. So if you turn to chapter 1, and in honor and reverence of God's holy and inspired word, uh, would you stand please if you're able this morning as we read this chapter. And Paul writes and he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you in peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, 
to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has abounded unto us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure which he has purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all saints. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And that is that which is exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Let's stop there. Let's pray. Father, this morning we come to you in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, what a marvelous chapter this morning we have read. Oh, Father, there's so much richness in this chapter that we could spend forever here. Oh, Lord, what you have done for us far exceeds our expectations and exceeds anything we could, we could think of or comprehend. Lord, this morning, speak to our hearts. Help us to see that this uh, Sunday before Thanksgiving, we are rich, rich indeed. Lord, we may not have much of the world's possessions as the world counts possessions, but Lord, we've got something greater than money can buy. We know Jesus Christ is our wonderful, wonderful Savior. So Father, this morning speaks to our heart. We do pray in Jesus' precious and wonderful and holy name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Many years ago, when I became a pastor of a church in Smithfield, North Carolina, which is down east, uh, I began making visits to the people in the community and especially to the church members. And I remember going into the home of a, a dear woman. She was in her 90s at that time. And when I walked into her house, it was a very, very, very modest home to say the least. And as I sat down with this woman, there was something special about her that you could all, just automatically feel. This woman had a sparkle on her face. She had a twinkle in her eye and had a smile that would just charm anyone. And she looked at me, and one of the first things she said was this. As you can well tell, I don't have much in the way of earthly riches. But I can see her smile now in my mind's eye. But she said, I'm rich in my heavenly Father. You know, all of us could say this, this morning, if we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, 
You know, when you start talking about possessions and you start talking about wealth and you start talking about finances, people automatically start thinking about material possessions that we have. Now, they're well and good and they're nice, but we all know that we could lose all of those things in the twinkling of an eye. But I want to tell you something this morning. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you may live in a tent, but you're very, very rich indeed because you know Christ. And you know all the things that we have in Jesus Christ. This is what Paul is talking about here in chapter 1. The possessions that we have, not because of who we are, but because of what we are and who we are because of our faith in Jesus Christ. What Christ has done for us. You know, isn't that what Paul said in the book of Corinthians? He said, he who is rich, talking about Jesus Christ. He who is rich became poor that we through his poverty might become rich. Now, he's not talking about earthly possessions as such, but he's talking about those things that we have in Jesus Christ, the blessings that we have in Christ. As we think of Thanksgiving about to come up this Thursday, are you thankful that you're rich? You say, well, preacher, I just don't have. I'm kind of like that lady. I've just got kind of a modest home. But let me tell you something. If you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're rich indeed. And let's just look this morning as we look at chapter 1 of some of the riches that we have in Jesus Christ. And you'll see that you are rich. And it doesn't matter if the stock market crashes tomorrow. You've got riches that are eternal in heaven that can't be taken away. And the stock market doesn't touch one single bit. We have blessings that are absolutely out of this world. And truly they're out of this world. The first possession I think we have is what Paul says here in verse 2. He says, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now all of our blessings that we have in Jesus Christ, we've got to remember, come because of grace. Grace be unto you. Grace be unto you. Grace, God's unmerited favor. God giving to us that which we don't deserve. Grace is one of the most beautiful words in the Bible. The older I get, the more precious grace means to me. God's unmerited favor. God doing for you and me what we don't deserve, but he does it anyway because out of his love. And from him flows grace. And the first thing he says here is peace. Grace be unto you and peace. You know, if there's anything that this world is looking for today, it's looking for some peace. People don't have peace. They want peace over anything and do anything to get peace. They'll, they'll look to illicit relationships. They'll get mixed up in drugs. They'll get mixed up in alcohol. They'll get mixed up in possessions. Anything they can think of that will bring them peace to the human heart. You know, Billy Graham wrote a book back in 1959, and it was called Peace with God. That is still his best-selling book today. You know why? Because that's what people want more than anything else. They want peace. But I want to tell you where you can find peace. You find it, first of all, you find it in Jesus Christ because of the grace that's found in Him. That's where you're going to have to start. You start with Jesus Christ. All the possessions of this world, all the things that we can gather into ourselves, all the things that we may try, it may give a semblance of peace, but it doesn't give real peace. Now, the Bible talks about two types of peace, and the book of Ephesians does as well. It talks about, first of all, peace with God. Man is alienated from God because of sin. Man is separated from God because of sin. That's why he has no peace. The world cries out, peace, peace, but there is no peace. That's because man's separated from his creator. He's separated from God. But I want to tell you what, the Bible says, as a matter of fact, it says in the book of Ephesians, verse 14, that Jesus Christ is our peace. And man will have no peace until he makes peace with God. Until he makes peace with his creator, whom he's alienated from, and whom he sinned against. You know what? Jesus Christ did that for me. 
I wouldn't know how to make peace with God, but Christ is our peace. He made peace with God for me. And that which I could never do, he did. He reconciled me unto God. I wouldn't know where to start. But the Bible says that God was in Christ, reconciling, bringing the world back unto himself. The word reconcile that Paul used there is a word that came from the realm of friendship. In other words, it was somebody that had a falling out. Now, it wasn't a falling out on God's part, it was our part. But God took the initiative, sent Jesus Christ in this world, and Christ took the hand of God, he took the hand of man, and he brought us back together. And because of that, this morning I can have peace with God. But you know what that leads to? It leads to the peace of God. You know, Paul writes about, I've got a peace that passes all understanding. Now, you've got to remember when Paul wrote Ephesians and Colossians and Philippians and the book of Philemon, Paul was in prison. Now, he wasn't sitting in a prison where it was air-conditioned and he could watch cable TV and shuffleboard and shoot basketball. He was in a dingy prison cell, eating with rats all around him, chained to, many times to another guard, and there he was in that dirty, dark, dingy cell, and he could write, I've got the peace of God in my heart. Why? Because he had peace with God, therefore he had the peace of God. Now, money can't buy that. Money cannot buy that. Only faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it comes where? Grace be unto you. It flows from the grace of God of that which he has done in Jesus Christ. That can only come from him. So this morning, you're rich indeed if you know Jesus Christ because you've got peace with God and you can have the peace of God. But I think there's a second blessing and a richness that we have in Jesus Christ that he says here. And that is, we're rich because of our position in Jesus Christ. Our position in Jesus Christ. Notice what he says here. Um, well, I'll just read verse 4 and 5. He said, According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. Now, we meet a big word here that many Baptists are scared to death of. It's the word predestination. Now, what God has predestined, and it's not a word that we should be afraid of. Predestination simply means God has predestined before the foundation of the world that if you will trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He gives you a new position that you've never had before, and that is a position that you're going to be adopted and that you're going to be accepted into the heavenly kingdom. Now, when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, Paul says right here, we've been adopted. We have been adopted. We've been adopted by Jesus Christ, having predestinated us, in verse 5, unto the adoption of children. How? By Jesus Christ. He did the adopting. In other words, it's been predestined that if I trust Jesus Christ as my Savior, I'm going to be adopting the family of God. Now, we're orphans, if you please. Because of sin, again, we've been separated from God. But when I trusted in Jesus Christ, he gave me a position I could never receive in my own works by my own efforts. And that is he adopted me into his family. And you know what? Paul is using the example of Roman adoption. And one of the good things about Roman adoption is if a person was adopted under Roman law, that adopted person could never, ever be disinherited. Now, a biological child under Roman law could, but if you adopted a child, never be disinherited. You know what? I'm adopted in the family of God, and I'm not worried about being disinherited one bit. I mess up from time to time, but you know what? 
My name's written in the Lamb's book of life. He's not only adopted me, the Bible says here, He has accepted me. We've been accepted in the Beloved. Now, I can't make myself accepted before God. You know, Job asked that age-old question, how can a man be right before God? How can a man be just before a holy God? Well, I can't be in my own works. Well, to me, one of the most arrogant people in the world are those people that says, well, you know, I can earn my way and be accepted by God by my works. Man, you can't do enough works for the rest of your life and the rest... 20 million lifetimes you couldn't do enough work to find yourself accepted before a holy God. You want me to tell you how you're going to be accepted before a holy God? One reason alone, Jesus Christ. I've been accepted in the beloved. I've been accepted in Jesus Christ. And that acceptance was something that happened in the past and it's something that will continue into the present. You know, Jesus said, He that cometh to me, I will in no wise way cast out. In the original text, that is a double negative. I will never, never cast you out. You know what? I don't have to fear him casting me out. Now, I know there are times when I was growing up, I probably disappointed my parents on many occasions. But they never disinherited me. And they never quit loving me. And I may slip and I may slide and I may mess up from time to time. But I have the promise this morning that I have a position in Jesus Christ. That God has adopted me and accepted me because of faith and trust in the Savior who died for my sins. Now I'm going to tell you something. Money can't buy that. Only faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And nothing can change that. It doesn't matter if the world falls apart tomorrow. It doesn't matter if a meteorite comes and strikes the earth. It doesn't matter if a virus wipes out everybody. My position before a holy God this morning because of faith and trust in Jesus Christ is one of adoption and one of acceptance. I'm going to tell you what. If you've got that, you don't really need anything else because you're rich indeed. Because you've been accepted into the family of God. And what boggles me, and I always say this with great reverence and fear and trembling, that my acceptance before a holy God this morning is exactly the same as the acceptance of God accepting Jesus Christ. Why? Because what Christ did, He did for me. When Christ died on that cross, that was me dying. When Christ was buried, that was me being buried. When Christ arose from the dead, guess what? That was me rising from the dead. Why? Because he did it for you and I. He did it for us. And brethren, if you can recognize and realize that fact, let me tell you something this morning. You are rich indeed. But there's a third treasure that we have this morning, I believe with all my heart, and that is the Bible tells us that in Jesus Christ, we have pardon. We not only have peace, we not only have position, but we have pardon. Notice what he says there in verse 7. He says, In whom we have redemption... Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Now think of that this morning. Your sins have been forgiven. Your sins have been forgiven in Jesus Christ. All your sins are forgiven. Now I've heard people say, they come to me and they'll say, Well, preacher, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't make any difference. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. How? According to the riches of his grace. Because of his unmerited favor, he has extended to us pardon. He has bought us. That's what the word redemption means. It means to buy. It's a word that was used to speak of someone being bought off the slave market. You know, the story was told of Abraham Lincoln one time. He, he uh, walked by where there was a, a slave sale going on. And Abraham Lincoln bid. And he bid on the slave. And he won the price. And he paid it. And he went to the man and said, you're free to go. You're set free. 
Let me tell you something. One greater than Abraham Lincoln did that for you and me. We're on the slave market of sin. And Jesus Christ left heaven's glory, came to this earth, and through the riches that were in God the Father, He paid the redemption price. And you know what He says to us? You're set free, your sins are forgiven. You know, that's why David said, blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven. And if you know your sins are forgiven this morning, you're rich indeed. A lot of people don't know that. I remember a man many years ago who had lived, a, and I'm being very kind when I say this, he lived a, a, a life of rascality. He'd done everything you could think of that was bad. <laughs> if it hadn't been invented, he hadn't done it yet. And the man got saved. And several years went by, and I asked him one day, I said, let me ask you a question. Now that you're saved and you look back at your past life, what is the one thing that you think of that has changed the most? Anything you can just put a finger on. He said, yeah, laying down and sleeping at night. He said, because I was such a wicked man, when I laid down and slept at night, I knew that if I didn't wake up, I'd go to hell. But he said, now I can lay down and sleep at night knowing my sins are forgiven, and if I don't wake up, I'm going to be in heaven. Let me tell you something. No amount of money on earth can buy that assurance. Only faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And if you know this morning pardon in Jesus Christ, if you know the riches of, of His grace that has done what? The redemption through His blood, not with silver or gold, as Paul says over in Corinthians, but the blood of Jesus Christ covers all of our sins. Again, you say, preacher, you don't know what I've done. Well, what John say? If we confess our sins, He's just and faithful to forgive us of what? All of our sins, all of our unrighteousness. Whatever you've done, just put it in that blank right there. Let me tell you something. If you know Jesus Christ has forgiven your sins this morning, if you know Jesus Christ has washed you clean from your sin, let me tell you something. You are absolutely rich indeed. And money that cannot buy. Again, blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven. Joe, this morning I think there's the fourth thing that we see here that we're rich. And that is in Jesus Christ we have power. Notice what uh, Paul says here in several places. He talks about the Holy Spirit. Uh, he mentions the Holy Spirit all through here, but he, he talks about you, you've, been, you've received the Holy Spirit when you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Down in verse 13, he says, "...in whom also you trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with what? The Holy Spirit of promise." And then down in verse 19, he says something uh, uh, very special. He says, And what is exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Do you realize this morning that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells within you and I? Now think of that. The Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that He gives us because of our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's what He says there. And interesting here, that word, it says it was wrought in Christ. What it means, it was power tested. It was put to the test. Now, you can't think of anything greater test than somebody that's dead. And yet the Holy Spirit had the power to raise the lifeless body of Jesus Christ from the dead and raise Him to life again. Paul says that's the power that we have to face the difficulties and challenges of life. And when we face something, we say, well, I don't know if I can handle that or not. I don't know if I can face that or not. In your own strength, you can't. But that's why Jesus said, uh, as he talked to his disciples the last night of his life, he said, I'm going to send you another comforter. I'm going to send someone who will be with you. The Holy Spirit's going to help you and guide you and direct you and will be a power that will help you to face those situations and circumstances. That's why Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through my strength. No, that's not what he said. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, you and I have a strength. Have you ever gone through a difficult time and a, a hard time in your life? If you haven't, just hold on long enough. You, you will. Uh, and you look back at it and you say, how did I get through that? I can tell you how you got through it. Jesus Christ saw you through that. By His power and by His grace and by His strength. I would hate to face the difficulties of the day, the problems of the day, and to face just the, the regular situations that come unto us all. And when we have to say goodbye to loved ones and death and disease comes our way, disappointment comes our way, heartache comes our way. How in the world can you face that if you don't know the power of Jesus Christ that dwells within us and will help us through those difficult times? Life's tough enough knowing Christ. I'd hate to try to face life without Christ. And yet there's people that do it every day. But they only just exist. They don't really live. But you see, the Holy Spirit is given to us to be our guide, to be our encourager, to be our helper, to be our comfort, to be our teacher, to be our friend. And Paul says, you're rich this morning because you've got the Holy Spirit. Now, you can't buy the Holy Spirit. You read the book of Acts. There were some men that came to the disciples one time and said, you know, we see this power of the Holy Spirit. We'd like to buy it. Sorry, you can't do that. Disciples said, sorry, you just can't. The only way it'll come is through faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He is the only one. You can't buy the Holy Spirit, but it comes through faith and trust in Christ. And He's always there. He's a comforter who never leaves us, who, who never abandons us. And this morning, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're rich indeed because there's a power that dwells within you. That can only come by one way, faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So this morning I see a fifth thing in this text. And that tells us we need to be thankful because in Jesus Christ you and I have a purpose. You know, Paul mentions this several times here. He talks about in verse 10, he talks about the purpose of God. And then down in verse 18, he talks about uh, that your eyes of understanding being enlightened that you may know what? The hope of his calling in your own personal life. You know, God just didn't save us just to take us to heaven someday. If he did, he took us to heaven as soon as he saved us. But he left us here for a purpose. God has given all of us a purpose. Your purpose may not be my purpose. My purpose may not be your purpose. But every last one of us has a purpose that God wants us to, to be his servant, to serve him. And that's what Paul started out. Paul says, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I have come to, to live for the Lord. God has given all of us a purpose, that personal purpose. You know, Paul says over here in chapter 2, I didn't read that, but in chapter 10, he says, we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus unto good works. That God has called us not just to sit on a pew, but to be an influence for him, to be a blessing to other people's. To touch other people's life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That God has given all of us gifts and talents and abilities for the purpose of serving Him. And if you know your purpose and you know that you can be a blessing. You know I've often said God has made us all other oriented. The most miserable people in the world are people who are selfish. They're miserable. Why? Because that's not the way God made it. God made us to be other oriented. And the most joyful people I know are people who invest their life in others. I remember Billy Graham telling a story one time when he went to England to uh, do a crusade that he was asked to have an audience with uh, J. Paul Getty, who at that time was the richest man in the world. And he went and he said that he sat down with this man, the richest man in the world. And the man told him, he said, I'm absolutely miserable. Miserable. Now think of that. You're the richest man in the world and you're miserable. Everybody said, boy, I'd be so happy. I've often heard people say, well, money can't make you happy. I'd like to try at least once. Uh, 
I don't know that'll happen. I'd like to try at least once. But here this man was worth billions and billions of dollars, but he's miserable. And Dr. Graham tried to share with him, you know, the only way you're ever going to have true happiness in life. Money's fine. It's great. It's wonderful. You can do a lot of good with it. But unless you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you'll never be happy in this life. He said later on that afternoon, he was eating at an open cafe and they were sitting outside. And I think he and Cliff Bears were eating. He said this man came up to him. It looked like he had maybe 10 teeth in him, uh, in, his, in his mouth. And he came up to him, had a big grin on his face. He said, you know, I got to be the happiest man in the world. And this man's job was looking after invalids. And he said, but I'm the happiest man in the world because I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And he said, what a contrast. Here's a man that probably didn't have two nickels to rub together who didn't even have all his teeth, looking after invalids for a job. He had a great big grin and smile on his face. And here's the richest man in the world. He's miserable. You know what the difference was? Simple. Jesus Christ the difference. You see, one realized their purpose in life. One realized God put us here not to just occupy space, but to be a blessing to other people. And the most happy people I know in life are those that share with others. And those that give their life for the cause of others. That's why Paul is praying here for this church at Ephesus. I pray for your enlightenment that you may know the hope of your calling. What God's calling is in your life. And when you recognize that you're serving Him, I'm going to tell you what, you're going to be rich indeed. But I think there's a sixth thing here that Paul says we're rich. And that's in, in verses 15 and 16. Precious friends. Precious friends. He said, Wherefore also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus... And the love unto all saints ceased not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. You know, Paul, in all of his letters, would thank his friends for their friendship, for their caring, for their refreshing him, for their sending gifts to him, doing things for him. You know, one of the most precious things in life that you can have is friends. To me, one of the saddest things in life is to see somebody doesn't have any friends. Now, the Bible says to have friends, you've got to, first of all, show yourself friendly. But brethren, let me tell you something. If you've got some precious friends, you've got one of the greatest treasures money cannot buy. I've seen people on their sickbed, and I've seen people who uh, are not long for this world, and I've seen people whose lives they had touched, and they gather around these dear people, and they begin to do things for them, and bring them food, and cut wood for them, clean their house, do things like that. And I remember a man one time... Uh, who had given his life for years to other people and come to that time as he was about to part of this world. And I remember him saying, when the church reached and tried to help him and do things to him, he said, one thing money can't buy, and that's friends. Now, I may buy them temporarily, but when you run out of money, they're gone. Let me tell you something. If you've got some precious friends, you better praise the Lord every single day for those dear, precious friends. Because any man that has friends... He's not poor. Nobody's poor who's got friends because they're worth more than all the, the wealth in this world. I've seen people who've gone through life and alienated everybody, alienated everybody from them, and as they come to the end of their life, they have no friends whatsoever. I remember living in a, a neighborhood one time where I pastored a church. There was a person in that community who alienated everybody. I mean, if they could make you mad, they'd do it. And the person passed away. And outside of the family, counting the family, there were only 12 people at that funeral. And one dear sweet saint lady who was one of the sweetest women I've ever known, she said, the only reason I came to this funeral 
is because I was afraid nobody would be here. Isn't it sad to come to the end of your life after 80 years and there are no friends? But in the contrast, I knew a man one time who was almost 90 years old when he passed away. The church was packed and overflowing. Why? Because he was a friend. You know, in this life, let us not only have precious friends. To do so, let us be a precious friend to somebody else. Oh, I want to tell you this morning, if you've got some friends you can count on, I want to tell you what, you've got a treasure and you're rich indeed. But one last thing I think I see in this text this morning, and that is we need to be thankful that in Jesus Christ we have permanency. Now, what do I mean by that? Let's look at what Paul says here. That our salvation is permanent. You know, Paul says here in verse 13, he says, In whom also after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. Now, the two words here that are very beautiful words that Paul uses. Now, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. We have received the Holy Spirit. And he says, you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now, the word sealed here is a word uh, that spoke of authenticating something. In other words, if someone put their seal on something, whether it be a, a high official or, or maybe it be the banker or whoever it might be, if he put his seal on something, that means it authenticated that and it was a mark of ownership that the person owned that. It also was a, was a matter of, of uh, not only ownership, but it was a matter of the fact that the transaction had been completed. But it also was a matter of security. That you own that. That it was secure. You weren't going to lose it. Now I grew up with my grandmother and my mother. They would preserve things. And they would get all these bottles out and all these jars out. And they would boil them and they'd fix corn and jelly. And uh, they would preserve them. And they'd put lids on them. And all of a sudden, middle of the night, you'd hear what? Pop, pop, pop. What was happening? It was being sealed. It was preserved. It wasn't going to spoil. Let me tell you something. In Jesus Christ, my salvation is preserved. And he says here, he says it's the guarantee. The Holy Spirit is what? It's the guarantee. The word guarantee means it's the down payment. In other words, when Jesus Christ gave us the Holy Spirit, you know what he's saying? The transaction's complete, but there's more to come. Now, you may go buy a car tomorrow. And a matter of fact, my son-in-law, this past week or last week, he bought a car. He made a big down payment. We talked about how much he could afford and all that. And then he made the down payment. He signed all the papers. The car is now his. But you know what he did when he signed all those papers? He meant there's more money to come. It's mine, but there's still more money to come. Let me tell you something. When Jesus Christ gave you the Holy Spirit, he said, you know what? There's more to come. And that more to come is there's a home in heaven waiting for me. You see, I've got permanency in Jesus Christ. He has sealed me. And when he saved me on October the 5th, 1970, that's 50 years ago. When he saved me 50 years ago, you know what? In heaven they heard, pop, he saved another and he sealed another one. Jesus Christ has got another one. You know what? I'm rich this morning because i got a salvation that's permanent. Because I've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. The, the guarantee has been made. 
the down payment has been made by giving me the Holy Spirit, which says in the end, guess what? I've got that assurance that I'm someday going to be with Him. Isn't that what Jesus said? I give unto them eternal life, and they shall what? Never perish. Now I may slip, and I may slide, and I may get dusty along the way, and I may trip along the way, but I'm still His. And He says, you know how many I'm going to lose? No man is able to pluck you out of my Father's hand. Now I don't know how much more permanent you can get than that. And this morning, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you have that permanency that's found in Him, let me tell you something, you are rich indeed. And that's what Paul goes on to say. He which has done a good work in me, what? Will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. And we don't know when that day is going to be. Ah, this morning, are you thankful that you're rich? Are you thankful that you've got His peace? Are you thankful that you have a position with the Lord that means you're accepted and adopted? That you have His pardon, that you have His power, that you have a, a purpose in life, and you've got precious friends that you're thankful for, and you know that permanency... That's found only in Christ. I want to tell you what. If you know that this morning. Forget about all the chaos. The confusion. And the mess that's in this world. You're rich indeed. Now if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning. You're not. That's when Jesus said. Blessed are the poor. Those who recognize their spiritual poverty. And they put their faith and their trust in me. Blessed are the poor. Because they'll become rich. Rich in faith and trust in Christ. Do you know them this morning? Let me tell you something. I might not ever get to visit a king or a queen. But that don't bother me. Because I know the king of kings and the lord of lords. That's the most important thing of all. If you know him this morning, let me tell you something. You're rich indeed. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we come before you, we're so grateful and we're so thankful for your precious love. Father, we're just so grateful today that you love us, you care for us. And Father, there may be somebody listening today that they've never trusted Christ as their Savior. Father, I pray today that you help them to realize that riches only come in Jesus Christ. Father, there may be somebody here that's listening. And Father, we get so caught up in the things of this world that pull us and drag us away and distract us that we forget we are rich. Maybe not with earthly possessions, but we're rich in Jesus Christ and all the blessings that he has for us. Father, we just thank you today. We praise you for your love, your goodness. Lord, help us to realize as we approach Thanksgiving, we're rich indeed and have so much to be thankful for. Not just this time of the year, but every single day of our lives. Lord, we thank you today. We praise you. We lift our hearts to you. In Jesus' precious, holy name we do pray. Amen.